Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you've done great things for us. That this season and this day when we recognize the arrival of Jesus, the arrival of hope and peace and salvation. Father, in these days we recognize that he is the ultimate great thing and we place our faith and our trust in him and him alone. Father, be with us this evening and in this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Merry Christmas. In addition to a mug, I owe everybody who's here a a warm thank you. Our 4.30 service was packed to the gills. If you had come then, we would have put you outside somewhere and hoped that you could hear the message through the walls. And so your presence here at our later service means that uh, everybody got a seat tonight and somehow that miraculously worked because uh, the math never quite works out when you do two things to split evenly. So thank you. Thank you for being here. If you want to write your name and your address, I'll send a personal thank you note to your house by next Christmas or so. So um, I'm excited that you're here. Like I said, there are going to be kids that are wiggly and squiggly. There are kids that might be uh, speaking up at times because we don't have anywhere to send them because this is a time we want family to be together. So two things are going to happen. One, we're going to smile and uh, love them right through it. The second thing is I'm not going to be up here very long. So my goal for this uh, next few minutes is to do two things. One, to maybe... uh, maybe go a little bit below your expectations on how long you think I'm about to talk. I want to kind of come under your expectations. And then second, I hope that today this will be something you've never heard at Christmas before. So we can be away in a manger and we can talk about the baby and the shepherds and the flocks and the angels. And those are all very good Christmas things and they're all true. But today I hope you hear something you may have not heard before. We're going to start tonight on the very first page of the New Testament. The very first page, as we look at our Bible, when we flip over to the New Testament, the arrival of Jesus, the very first page is Matthew chapter 1. And what's interesting is that the greatest story ever told, the story of Jesus, is based on real history with real people, with real facts. It ends in a resurrection from the dead that was witnessed by hundreds of people named in the Bible who did not refute what they saw to be real. So it's the strongest eyewitness testimony we can have. He claims salvation for all who believe in him. And this greatest story ever told begins with this. The begats. With If you open the first page expecting the greatest story ever told, you get Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And you begin to say, what is the point of this story? And so I'm going to begin to cycle forward, and I'm going to press a few pages forward, and we're going to go to verse 17. And I'll tell you why this matters. This matters because Matthew was writing... His gospel, Matthew was writing good news for the Jews of the first and second century, and for the Jewish people in the first and second century, this mattered a lot. And who came from who, and who went with who, and who begat who, it mattered. All the way to this kind of penultimate, this this perfect moment where, where Matthew lays out, here's the reason it all matters. So all the generations, from Abraham to David, are 14 generations. From David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. From the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. To which you say, that was not helpful. That still doesn't make any sense why that's where we would start. Here's what I want you to see. 14 and 14 and 14. That's three 14s. Numbers matter in a Jewish world. If they weren't three fourteens, they, they could also be six sevens, couldn't they? It could be a seven, a seven, a seven, a seven, a seven, a seven, and we have six sevens. And sevens represent perfection. 
And so what we see here is we have 14 and 14 and 14, but we really have six sevens as these generations are marked. And what we see is Jesus, listed at the end, is ushering in the seventh seven. Jesus is the seventh seven. We're going to come back to why that matters. Now I'm going to take you back a couple thousand years to the book of Leviticus, over towards the beginning of the Bible, and we begin to read there in Leviticus chapter 25. It said, the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord for six years, you shall sow your field. And for six years, you prune your vineyard and you gather its fruits. But in the seventh year, again, that seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine, it shall be the year of solemn rest. And so six years work, one year rest. Let's get forward to verse eight. The Bible says, then you shall count seven weeks of years, seven times seven, what it means is seven times seven. You shall count seven times seven years so that the time of the seven weeks of years shall give you 49 years. Then you shall sound the loud trumpet on the 10th day of the seventh month. And on the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout your whole land. And you shall consecrate the 50th year. These numbers are coming at us fast. The 50th year. And you proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. And listen to what happens in the 50th year. It shall be a jubilee for you. A jubilee when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself nor gather the grapes from the undressed vine. It is a jubilee. It is holy to you. What we see in this ancient text is that the Sabbath is laid out, this time of rest. And then there's this other thing mentioned, this year of Jubilee, otherwise known as the year of the Lord's favor. It's like a super Sabbath. At the end of, of, the, fifth, of, the, of the generations, at the end of the 49 years, you have a super Sabbath year. At the end of the seventh, seven. And so the 50th year is the time when all rest. It's more than that. The land is returned to its original owner. The debts are forgiven. The slaves are set free. All the rules of the 50th year of the, of the Jubilee year is that everything goes back to shalom, to the way God created it. Everything goes back to peace. People return home and debts are forgiven and slaves are set free. And it's a Jubilee because everybody starts fresh. Every 50 years, the people of God go back to wholeness. All accounts are brought back to zero, and people find a new freedom and a new start. It is a beautiful, unbelievable, and radical idea, and it is what God told his people to do. Imagine right now, if we were, say, on the cusp of a jubilee year, imagine the difference in the way you would have done your Christmas shopping if you knew that tomorrow all of your debts were forgiven. I would have driven up in a brand new car, heavily financed, might I mind you, and I could have bought all of you new cars too, because starting in the Jubilee year, it's all forgiven anyway. Everything's back to zero. It's a good thing. It's an incredible thing. It's a radical thing. It's something that we can hardly believe. The 49th Christmas would be a big one. So jump over then with us. Now we're going to jump back to the New Testament to Luke's gospel. And he's done the same thing Matthew has done. Luke lays out a genealogy as well. He lays out who Jesus is and where he's come from. And then the next thing he does is really interesting. The next thing he does is really interesting. Before, before this, and he, before he gets to the synagogue, he goes with Jesus and the devil into the desert. We follow Jesus into the desert. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. He's physically weak. He, he, he goes in with the devil and the devil tempts him. 
He says, turn the stone into bread. You're hungry. And Jesus says, no. And he tempts him again. And he says, give, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus says, no. He tempts him again. And he says, show your power. Jump from the cliff and let the angels catch you. Show who you are. Jesus refuses all three temptations. And then he heads into Nazareth, where we pick up the story here. He heads into the synagogue. Follow us there. It says he went to Nazareth, and where this is where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, again, that Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me, Jesus says. To proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and began saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your presence, in your hearing. Jesus starts his ministry He starts his ministry coming out of the desert after fasting and resisting temptation. He begins his ministry by going into the synagogue and reading a very specific scripture and not saying this is the scripture that was written of the Messiah. He says, this is now fulfilled. I'm here. How interesting what he read is that you would find freedom for the oppressed, that debts would be forgiven, that there would be a release of prisoners, that slaves would be set free, that there would be good news for the poor and sight to the blind. Does any of this sound familiar? Remember, This is why Matthew starts with genealogy, because any Jew reading this at this moment in the first, second, third century today, any Jew reading this would have looked at this and about had their eyes fall out of their head, is they would have looked at the genealogy of Jesus and they would have seen these numbers come across the page and then they're going to wait a minute. Is he saying what we think he's saying? That Jesus is the seventh seven, which is to say that Jesus shows up to inaugurate the days leading to the ultimate jubilee. So seven times seven, for you math majors, seven times seven is perfection times perfection. So what do you get when you have perfection times perfection? You're in church, so the answer is Jesus, right? Okay, but seven times seven, when you multiply perfection by itself, you get the ultimate perfection. So this is not only the year of Jubilee, it is the generation of Jubilee. It is the inauguration of a new era of Jubilee, an age of freedom and forgiveness, an age of glory and grace. Jesus is inaugurating a whole new thing. He's ushering it in with him. And so the genealogy is important because it shows us who is coming. Jesus is in the temple and he says, I'm proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. I'm proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Do you see it? Jesus is saying the Jubilee is here I am here. I am the Jubilee. What I want you to see this Christmas is that even more than a baby in a manger, even more than shepherds and angels, we have something greater happening. Christmas is the arrival of the ultimate gift and the ultimate hope and the ultimate rest. That Jesus is once the once and for all Jubilee. For all of us. Jesus is the once and for all Jubilee. He's the ultimate Sabbath, the ultimate rest when everybody can put down and eat from the table because God has it covered. In him, we have perfect rest. All accounts through him have been made whole, have been brought back to peace and shalom as God intended. All debts through the cross get paid. All slaves to sin through the resurrection get set free once and for all. In the desert where the people of God wondered and groaned, Jesus faced temptation from our enemy And I think that Luke puts that there for a purpose. I think Luke says genealogy followed by temptation, followed by declaration of jubilee for a reason. Because what he wants to show us is that it isn't about what we think it's about. 
that Jesus goes into the desert to remind us that it isn't about bread or material things. It isn't about things under a tree. In the jubilee of Jesus, we have the bread of life. It isn't about power or being our own king. In the jubilee of Jesus, we have an eternal king. It isn't about safety or security or protection of the world. In the jubilee of Jesus, heaven came down, and we have security in eternity through him. Jesus meets us in our hour of need, and he becomes our salvation, our ultimate Sabbath. In Jesus, we don't have to prove ourselves. There's no longer a need to work our way from naughty to nice, from sinner to salvation, from rule breaker to righteous. We don't have to work at it anymore because Jesus does the work for us on the cross in the resurrection, and he invites us in to a super Sabbath ultimate rest. We have been brought into the jubilee of Jesus. We are ushered in with the gift of grace so that all who believe in his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection on the third day in front of all of those witnesses, all who might believe are now ushered into something far greater than we ever imagined, into a generation of grace. And so we rest in him. In the super Sabbath, in the ultimate Sabbath, in the Jesus, our Savior, we rest in the year of the Lord's favor because it has no end. Because when eternity shows up, time loses its meaning. Tonight we celebrate the arrival of true jubilee. We celebrate the arrival of Jesus and the arrival of joy that surpasses our wildest dreams. The joy of the world that the Lord has come. So when we sing, let earth receive her king, let us receive our king, our Savior, and our jubilee.